This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amala Delahi. Um, I hope everyone has had a good week. I personally have started uni again. Um, as a mature student, so I've gone back to undergrad and it's so interesting going back as an older student. Not that I'm like super, super old, um, like I'm still in my 20s, so relatively in the same decade as um, most other people in my class, but it's just so strange, like in those, those six to eight years difference between me and everyone else who's kind of in my class or the average class uh, average age sorry of everyone else who's in my class um the life experience and just it's been so mind-blowing going back and it's only been one week but how I've just fully approached it differently to when I was 18 um so that's on my mind a lot (laughs) lots of readings and uni um and I've also just come back from an epic weekend um, helping people figure out where their power lies and um, how do you go about creating some social impact and creating change in a way that's really valuable to um, your community and the solution has people in mind. Um, so that was a really epic um, weekend and I think heading into this week it's just given me a lot of yeah a lot of energy and a lot of things to talk about because the other girls that I was facilitating with um, just we talked about everything and anything under the sun and kind of spoke about our different experiences in different places and the differences were just so so interesting and that kind of leads me to what my first topic for this episode is so we were talking about how um, we notice that we get treated differently in, in different spaces and I was I was just kind of feeding my, back my personal experiences of how um, differently people treat me especially compared to when I'm hanging out with um, you know my Pakiha friends and yeah my, my friends were just so just completely gorgeous um, but I, I'm not saying that I'm not gorgeous. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a poorly set up sentence. Um, but you know, my, my beauty is, doesn't tick the conventional beauty boxes. I think when people think of like beautiful or attractive, you know, I'm not the kind of, um, person that, it, you know, springs to mind when it comes that there are a lot of boxes that I don't tick um and I think it was something that I personally really struggled with when I was young I was like oh my god like I'm so ugly and there's just no way um that I could ever be beautiful and then as I've gotten older and I kind of 
decolonized my mind and that racism that I had internalized, you know, processed that. And that's not an issue for me. But, you know, for the rest of the external world, um, it's still very much an issue, right? Um, so I noticed that, yeah, there is a difference to how I get treated when I'm with my other friends who you know who are closer to that um widely held idea of beautiful right so they're the ones that get spoken to first you know I might say something um and it gets fully ignored and you know if the other person I'm with says like the same idea it's then responded to with oh wow that's a great idea amazing I see the same thing and not the same response. Um, even just like politeness, you know, when you're going to a cafe and how um, people, how polite they are to you. Like, do they say hi? Do they ask how your day is? You know, all those sorts of things. It's so interesting. Um, and then another person who was in the group and we were talking about this, she was saying in um, her hometown like there's a local cafe that she goes to multiple times a week um and brings her friends there her work friends there so she it's not just a social place but brings business for work meetings um and there's one lady who works there who will just never acknowledge her if she is going there by herself but you know as soon as she goes there um with her friend who is yeah closer to that idea of beautiful that we widely hold in society so when they go in together the response is completely different um you know she gets given more attention um you know the how are your days going is asked like would you like this would you like that um just the response is very yeah accommodating and a lot more polite compared to the hi and that's it um which is just it's honestly mind-blowing but these things most definitely happen and so we were talking about it and everyone kind of sharing their experiences and then we had some girls kind of share who um recognized that yes they were closer to that um idea of what beautiful is and they saw the other side of that you know where people would treat them really 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 nice and because they looked a certain way people would expect them to you know behave a particular way um put people in boxes and um the theory that i learned from this wee korero is the idea that there is this social role valorization which is really like lots of big words put next to each other and it turns into this pretty cool acronym SRV but what does that actually mean and it's a name it's a yeah theory which explains um or provides that structure to analyze um human relationships and services and it was um formulated in 1983 by Wolf Wolfensberger I really hope that I have said that 
correctly. I haven't come across a last name like that before. Really interesting. But yes, it was formulated um, in 1983. And what this theory is saying is that there's this idea that, you know, we as a society, we love to um, put people into groups and particular groups are considered different um, and different not being used in a positive context it's more because these groups are labeled different then they are of less value and so there will be according to the system and the way that we see each other there are humans who oh sorry there are groups of people in our society that are seen literally as less than of lesser value because of they have this label of being different and um, this work has kind of been looked at again because it has been a long time since 1983 and um, there was more research done by Flynn and Lee May in 1999 and this um, Re, like revisiting this theory um, highlighted that actually it's still really relevant especially in Europe, New Zealand and Australia and I think that's so so interesting and when we were able to put that theory that label to these real life experiences like literally mind blown and um, I think this theory is used a lot um, in the disabled community. And one really example one of the girls was saying is that, you know, when it comes to employment and um, the disabled community, th- that has been a struggle for a really, really long time because we as a country, we're not very accommodating of those who have a disability and to disclose the fact that you do have a disability when you're applying for jobs a lot of people are scared of doing so because that hurts their chances of um, successful employment Um, but we know that successful employment would mean you know investing in our disabled community it would good be good for their you know well-being having this sense of independence um <clears throat> but there's no like there are a lot of ex- lived experiences of members of the disabled community you know fearing that if they do disclose their disability chances of employment gone right and so because of the struggle when disabled people do find successful employment um, I think there's a societal sense of oh you know they should be grateful that they could find work Um, and you know this friend who was telling us about this example um, she works in a space where she supports um, the disabled community and finds opportunities for them um, for their well-being and to improve their lives Um, and she was saying you know there are so many jobs where um, people from members of the disabled community get paid next to nothing or you know for the job that they're doing they're really getting paid um, you know you know next to nothing um and if it was someone who wasn't from 
the disabled community doing the same job the pay rate would be a lot higher um but there she's definitely come across that attitude in her mahi of oh well they should just be grateful like that's heaps for you know what they're doing and there is no way no one else would do that job um and it's that sense of the value that we assign to people right like in that specific context um and yeah in that specific context that person who was doing that job from the disabled community it's that sense of you know because you are lesser than you should be grateful for whatever job um it is like you should take that as a win that is a success um but if someone who wasn't from the disabled community were to do that job because they apparently have um higher value then they should you know yeah because they have higher value they deserve more even if they're doing the same job but because they have that higher value therefore their pay should be more um which makes no sense but if you really think about it we do assign value to different groups in not just New Zealand but everywhere and you know in my friend's example before when she was going to um the cafe by herself her value was considered low in that person's eyes but when she comes in with her friend um because she is associated with that person her value has now increased right and so she gets treated differently um and i think you can apply this social role valorization to a lot of different contexts and when i think about um even how kids treated me growing up i was not a cool kid (laughs) at all especially especially at um intermediate really yeah really struggled with friends to be honest actually um I think because I just wasn't cool and back then kids were so concerned about you know who's cool who isn't rati rati ra um yeah just actually now that I've said that out loud it's really crazy like that transition from primary school to intermediate oh horrible um but anyways I just was not cool at intermediate school and I think the fact that I was of a darker skin tone and the fact that I did wear a hijab um, reduced my value in the other kids eyes at that age and all the other things that had the value of being cool I did not connect with at all like I did not wear the cool clothes I had no idea like what bands and stuff people were listening to it just all of that went over my head right and I think towards the end of my um intermediate a time at intermediate um some of the cooler kids were I don't know not interested in me that sounds really strange but anyways they wouldn't mind being seen outside of the classroom with me and I think when I think back to that experience my um perceived intelligence and I say perceived because I think intelligence is very arbitrary and there are a lot of people who are intelligent in different ways and 
sometimes like I've sometimes especially back then by paper I would appear smart but man I was I felt like I was just so dumb like I didn't have that confidence in myself or that knowledge in myself and you know take me outside of the classroom and I just did not have any of those street smarts but anyways my perceived intelligence I think is what gave me value in those other kids eyes and because I had that value um the possibility for a friendship or um just even a casual relationship um not in the romantic sense but you know in the sense that you know people would want to talk to me outside of the classroom context um that relationship was now allowed there was space for that because I had value and it just yeah it literally just blows my mind how we do that but now that you I've spoken about this I bet you you can think about your own life and how you have been given more or less value um, based on other people and it's not just about race gender class it's even just interests and hobbies um, and I think people everyone does this unconsciously as well which is a scary thing about it because because it's so ingrained you just don't even think about the possibility that you're looking at someone with less value because of you know xyz um and i think it's really really interesting and i think when i think about what's happening um in New Zealand with our race relations, our relationship between tangata whenua and um, tangata titiriti, that, I mean, I'm generalizing things, but the fact that there are definitely attitudes out there that imply that people see um, tangata whenua as less than, having less value, um, and that less value restricts um, or kind of determines the boundaries of the space that's given towards that relationship. You know, the more space that you have, which is the more value that you have for um, a particular group, a particular human, the more you will give to them, right? And I think um, the way that Māori people are represented in the media, spoken about by our leaders, I mean if you google things the things that are just so commonly said and also so widely said by our leaders around Māori people perpetuating these horrible negative stereotypes all of these things I think feed into how people see value in in Māori people and you look at my example and how you know beauty is or how you perceive beauty is also how you perceive value in people. It is really, really interesting. And I think if we ever wanted to be in a place where we wanted equal equality and equity um, for all marginalized groups, I think we need to be having a conversation about the value that we inherently see that sorry that we see in other groups and people um ideally in an ideal world 
there would be everyone would have the same value by the fact that everyone's just merely human like because we are human we all hold the same value but because of the social structures that exist the systematic structures that exist the history that's happened the power imbalances the colonization um the wars like so many of these things i think feed into um how we see value in others and the scary thing about how we see value in others it then determines this low-key hierarchy right and once there's this hierarchy it is always the people the people at the top the powerful people the majority that then has all the power right because once you're part of the you know once you have the power you then have the power to you know define people label people and not just people but groups as well you know put these labels on them we think about the labels that are put on muslims the labels that are put on maori and um pacifica or just any indigenous people right those labels that are are put on these groups um the labels that we put on our queer community and our disabled community um and because of these labels these groups are different they are now marginalized they are pushed to the bottom they push to the side um but the majority have the ability to define who is different and once you have that label of different it's never used in a good way it's always seen as negative which is very very dangerous um and so here you have this power imbalance where people who are considered to have the same value are treated the same but those below are different and it's really really scary and yeah what I was saying before about the labels these labels are so scary because they're so powerful and I think we see how when labels um are said out of the mouths of the powerful then it's kind of taken as gospel right like the amount of the fact that islamophobia is on the rise where is this coming from because there are platforms being given to those of the majority who do have that power of labeling people as different and not just labeling you know people groups as not only just different but assigning um adjectives to them you know these they are still like they're thieves or they're stealing or they're taking away what the the you know american dreamers all these sorts of things um and you see how when it comes from the mouths of of the majority whew, it spreads like wildfire and they're also given the platform because they do have that power again spreads like wildfire fire sorry and because a lot of people are not conscious of the value that they see in other people you take it from you just take it because it's around you all the time um and so now you have people setting up the system where the value that is seen in a particular group is set um and i think that is terrifying really really terrifying um 
and I think if we wanted to get to that place where we can be more empathetic towards each other and things like racism can be eliminated um, we need to be having a conversation about how we value other people and um, it's something that actually I want people to reflect on in their own like personal lives how do you see value in the people that you see day to day and it might not even necessarily be um, the people that are personally in your lives like friends and family but just like the you know the checkout person who's always seems to be there whenever you're picking up your food and even those micro interactions and thinking about how um yeah if you don't interact with perhaps a lot of people from different places in the world where how do they have value in your eyes i think it's really important that we that we challenge that we really do and i remember talking about um being really open about um you know my previous mistake with um how i viewed the disabled community and i can't remember what episode it was or in what context that i brought it up but um i was telling the story of how there used to be this kid at primary school and he had down syndrome and um people would bully him mercilessly all the time um but he was just such a happy-go-lucky person he always made him like the rest of us laugh um and I would always try my best to be kind to him and you know fend off bullies or ask him how he was doing or try to spend some time with him I don't know just little small things here and there and on the surface that doesn't seem like a bad thing at all but um I now that I think back on it I think that love or aroha for him was coming from the wrong place it was coming from a pitying place and um and that's not on and I think now that I've kind of understood what this social value value uh, social role valuization um theory is talking about in my eyes I saw I de- yeah, definitely saw him as different, and because he was different, he had that label of um, need to help. Um, because not because he is lesser than, but because yeah, not the label of lesser than, but more coming from that place of pitying, because he can't have the same experiences you know someone like me who can be independent in in the future I don't know it's just it was coming from this weird place I think when I was younger um and I back like I was eight or ten or something and back then I was like I'm you know helping out I'm like not I'm such a good person but like you know I'm I'm doing the right thing and I think 
my actions were the right thing, but where I was coming from was not right. And because, yeah, I saw not lesser value in him, but I was like, oh, you're different because you can't do X, Y, Z, and I can do X, Y, Z. Therefore, I have this obligation to help you out. Um, And I didn't see... I didn't see the other side of actually he has XYZ and I don't have XYZ. Um, There wasn't that. um, I didn't see the value that we were on the same level, you know, and saying that out loud, it's quite scary. Um, Even though I, yeah, even though it's just me talking to myself right now, but saying it out loud, I, I feel horrible um because I feel like that's not who I am as a person um but you know what amen for growth amen to being vulnerable to admitting how you used to think and then now it's time to do better right and I think if I was to ever meet him again now I would most definitely apologize for seeing him as having different value to me because of his disability because of his disability I thought oh my goodness these people are like it's a vulnerable person in our community and we have to help him but that help was coming from yeah a pitying place so yes amen for growth and I'm glad that I've gotten to that point where it's actually just like you know what um it is now it's time to do better um and because we are all human he has the same value as me and I don't think that would have changed my action but now I see him fully for who he is rather than just someone who needs to be helped um so I've now assigned a different value to him um Yeah, so it's really, really interesting how we all do this. Um, And I wonder if anyone has any experience that I'd like to share um, when it comes to seeing value in people, how people see value in you. Um, But how do we change how we ascribe value to someone? And radical kindness is something that I've spoken about heaps on the show. And I think it's really, really important to... um, bring it up again in this context because radical kindness um teaches you to have first of all have this kindness to yourself right um you know forgive yourself for how you may have thought in the past or behaved in the past but when you're able to be that kind to yourself you're also able to be that kind to others and when you recognize yourself to be this complex human that yeah this complex human who is living life under so many like different pressures and different ideologies and all sorts of things I feel like yeah life is just so hard and complex like you can't isolate certain 
you can't just yeah you really just can't isolate anything and when you recognize that you are a complex human and mistakes are okay and that they happen you know you also apply that same thinking to everyone else everyone else is just as complex as you are um so you can't be so hard on yourself because life is life <laughs> it's hard it's complex it's mysterious there's you know a lot going on behind the layers it's not just one there's layers upon layers upon layers and you then begin to even if you don't see layers in other people you recognize that other people have a lot of layers um surrounding their lives um and i think when you under inherently understand that people are complex and it sounds like something you should just know right but people really don't think about it I mean I think people don't think about it for themselves so how are they going to think that for other people even though it sounds really oh well duh everyone is living complex lives like it's not just about what's going on in the surface level but then look at how we assign different value to people um, and also recognizing that when you do practice that radical kindness you never see that label um, that label of different as a bad thing because you understand that all humans are complex and what may be beautiful to you is actually it means something different it looks like something different for someone else and you know intelligence or wealth or status like it actually it means it looks different for everyone on an individual basis on a group basis and yeah when you recognize that everyone is complex in that sense you're not going to see differences as a bad thing because you understand that life is wonderfully diverse like that um like with radical kindness you're putting yourself in a situation where you're seeing the same value in everyone for the mere fact that everyone is a human living their lives living their lives according to their own value system um living life with their own complex background you know it's not just about where you come from or where your parents are from it's also where you grew up and how you grew up and all these sorts of things right so I think yeah we all need to practice a bit more radical kindness to understand that we all hold the same value and even if we are different that difference is a isn't a bad thing and that difference doesn't mean that someone is lesser than because if someone is lesser than someone is high another person is higher than and now you have that power dynamic um and i think we see that power dynamic playing out um everywhere in our personal lives in our workplaces in our country in our parliament um it is everywhere it really is um, so how do you see how do you see value in others and how can you practice radical kindness to make sure that you know you see the same value of everyone um, and talking about these differences um, 
really yeah talking about these differences sorry just had a big brain fart um talking about these differences made me realize um got me thinking rather about the difference between Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle Mark Markle sorry blah, blah, blah. I really cannot talk today um and so you have Kate Middleton who isn't wasn't royalty to begin with but she is closer to this idea of what's widely considered beautiful right like Pakeha beautiful um healthy weight woman and then you have Meghan Markle who is also very very beautiful but because she is half black I think not even I think I know that has reduced her value in the media's eyes at least and reading the differences um and how they get treated by the media is horrible so uh, the first example is when both of these women um, were pregnant so the one for Kate reads not long to go pregnant Kate tenderly cradles her baby bump while wrapping up her royal duties ahead of maternity leave and William confirms she's due any minute um, and then when Megan was pregnant why can't Megan Markle keep her hands off her bump experts tackle the question that has got the nation talking is it pride vanity acting or a new age bonding technique Whew. um next one is again kind of related to pregnancy and morning sickness um kate's morning sickness cure prince william gifted with an avocado for pregnant duchess and then for megan Megan Markle's beloved avocado linked to human rights abuse and drought. Millennial out, oh, millennial shame. Wow. And when they got married, um, Kate Middleton's homegrown bouquet of Lily of the Valley follows royal code. And then, um, I, it looks like the same flowers yeah it looks like the same type of flowers that are on princess charlotte's head like as a floral headband but for the title for megan markle's royal wedding how megan markle's flowers may have put princess charlotte's life at risk Whew. oh my goodness another example um it was reported that the new Duchess of Cambridge requested her favourite scented candles and toiletries from luxury fragrance brand Jo Malone be delivered to scent the Abbey. A selection of candles, okay we don't need to know the flavours, um, was requested. These were for use inside the Abbey and for wedding guests using the royal bathroom and additional six VIP bathrooms. Kicking and then the um, one for Megan kicking up a stink, Dict dictatorial. Did I say that right? I feel like I said that wrong. Bride Megan wanted air freshness for musty 15th century 
um, St. George's Chapel, but the palace said no. And Musty put in quote marks, so implying that Megan directly said that the chapel was Musty. Oh, oh, oh. Um, this is a fashion one, which I think is really important to read this example because the perceived beauty value of these two women, so apparent. So for Kate, how Kate went from drab to fab, from eyebrows and Pilates to a new style guru, our experts reveal the Duchess of Cambridge's secret to looking sizzling. And then for Meghan Markle, my memo to Meghan Markle following her Vogue editorial. We Brits prefer true royalty fashion, or true royalty to fashion royalty. <sighs> Another one, Kate and Wool's Inc. Duke and Duchess secretly set up companies to protect their brand, just like the Beckhams. And then for Meghan, a right royal cashin. How Prince Harry and Meghan Markle trademarked over a hundred items from hoodies to socks six months before split with monarchy, with new empire worth up to 400 million. Oh, 400, yeah, 400 million pounds, sorry. Wow. Um, and then... I might read um, the last, maybe just two more. So this one's not directly related to Kate and um, Megan, but more the brothers. So the first one is Prince William blasts monarchy's stiff upper lip tradition and backs Harry's admission of his mental anguish after death of Mother Diana. And then for Harry and Megan... Prince Harry and Meghan ditched British stiff upper lip. Is this a good thing? Um, son, parents, and kids are torn. Um, and I'll make this one last example. Um, just trying to find the most like hard hitting one to use okay last one so Kate's stylish coat coordinated perfectly with the queen and she's just wearing like a darker blue jacket and the queen's wearing this like teal turquoise colour so I don't know how that's perfect coordination, but okay. And then um, for Megan, how Megan Markle's confusion over a hat nearly got her into big trouble with the Queen. Wow. So lots of these articles as well are like pitting the queen and Meghan Markle as if there's like a direct relationship where the queen really hates Meghan um and I think that's horrible as you can see with how the media treats the difference between Kate and Meghan the media most definitely sees more value in um in Kate and not the same with Meghan because even if they're doing 
the same thing like for example that morning sickness example where Kate is you know nourishing her body and doing what's right for her and her baby Megan is killing the earth and um is solely in charge of like deforestation or something the way that it's been sensationalized which is horrible and even with the baby bump you know it's the duchess is seen as a protective woman loving and tender you know really connecting with her baby and megan is um showing off you know she's a show-off um and i think that's horrible like there's because for whatever reason and i think you know her race status is definitely one of them um don't know what else is kind of going on in that space but the fact that there's a lot of leniency and love showing towards Kate because she has more value um Megan has now been put into this box where she's had all of these labels put on her and because she has all of these labels put on her no longer has um no longer has the ability to be humanized and to have those same labels that Kate does of being loving and being caring and um coordinating with the queen and um being agreeable but nothing about Megan is agreeable um and because the media is so powerful in having the ability to project what those labels are and project what the in, what the value perceived value is of particular people or groups in society i think we as consumers have to be really 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 careful um when you're reading headlines like that just whatever you're reading whatever you see whether it's social media or marketing or the newspaper or the news and the telly what language do you notice that they're using for particular people or for particular groups um is it very strong emotive language is it language that um yeah is it language that disempowers is it language that puts people in boxes is it language where because of particular adjectives you know you know the labels you know what the character is um or what the perceived character is of this person or this group if you're seeing language like that then you need to be mindful of what you're consuming because you know i think the media has a very strong responsibility to report the facts and the truth not adjectives and sensationalize people and to put these labels on them because as soon as you do that they're perpetuating this system they're perpetuating this hierarchy of value that we see in people and because it's so present and so powerful they're it will not be challenged people will just read this and be like oh actually yeah that's so true megan's so selfish she's such a show-off for cradling her baby bump but oh but kate she is such a tender 
loving mother to be and she just wants to you know showing how connected she is to her child when they're both both expecting mothers who are very excited to meet their children and both showing that tender loving care but Megan has these labels these um you know this label of being different um and that's not on so yeah strongly challenge people to look at how they consume media and be mindful of the language is this is what you're reading um holding people up to be similar are they holding people up to be of different value are they putting labels on people or particular groups um is there this label of being different um and does that different have a negative connotation um there are so many things that i think we need to think about and especially how the media assigns value to people we need to think about that because megan deserves more and you know what even for kate even though she's not being seen as that having less value um or being lesser than the fact that she automatically is put on this pedestal um i think that must be suffocating for her too because there's no room for error um yeah there's no room for error and that is not how people show up people are a little bit messy and imperfect um but the way that kate is portrayed there is no room allowed for that humanness and um so I can definitely see why Megan and Harry decided to take a step back from the royal family. Because that treatment is horrible. Um, it's biased and it's unfair coverage. Um, They're assigning her to these labels which she doesn't deserve. So even though it's not going to be direct to that person or to that group. How are you going to show radical kindness when you are interacting with media? Um... And again, just be mindful of the language that you are picking up on. Um, and thinking about all of this stuff kind of... And this, I think this is something that we can unpack more in the next episode. But it definitely got me thinking about, well, where's the line between being a racist and then just being ignorant? And I think with how the world is there's no room to fall back on your ignorance i think we need to know better do better um learn more and be actively anti-racist um but i think for a lot of people the struggle with being called a racist or calling someone a racist is still so heavily uh, so heavily sorry emotionally loaded um people just fall for ignorant instead but you cannot be yeah can one be not ignorant and racist can someone be a racist 
and ignorant at the same time can someone be um not ignorant and racist wait did i say that combination before yeah like there are so many like those two words are so closely associated but what is the relationship between the two um because it just got me thinking like thinking about all how we see value in other people there will be a lot of people out there who haven't actually thought about the fact that they see less value in people um because that's how they've been raised that's how life is around them they haven't even had a chance to really think about it and because they have those um value system that they just haven't even consciously thought about you know there might be some of their behaviors which are not on which are just straight up racist um but can you be can you be innocence in your ignorance i think that's what i'm trying to say and i think now that i'm saying this out loud my answer is well how does one respond once the ignorance has been lifted will there be a shift in behavior a shift in um how they view the world will there be that commitment to actioning it and commitment to learning more and doing better um but yeah this innocence and ignorance is it a thing is it something that we um are using it as an excuse to hold back from the work that really needs to be done um so so many questions um but just to recap this whole past hour how do we see value in others and for those who want to do some more reading and digging into the theory it's called social role um valorization um coined by wolf wolfensberger um and the more reading you do into it i think there's a lot that kind of makes makes sense cuz not only does it make sense on a societal level but also a personal level as well um just even think about it in your personal life um how you treat particular people um and because we are human i think we naturally tend to do this anyway so don't feel bad if you go about thinking about this and you realize that you assign less value to people um it's more about what the next step is what you do afterwards um but yes we need to make sure that we see people of the same value and of the same standing thank you so much for tuning into this episode of headscarves and good yarns and i will catch you the next week so stay curious and stay empathetic and always keep on challenging Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.